to welcome everybody, and that um, it's really nice to have everybody here. And these calls seem to be so valuable and fruitful, and it's good to see people continuing to come and um, welcoming, welcoming people to check out the website for the previous talks, which were some very valuable information and insights. So turn it over to you now. All right. Thank you, Rihanna. So for those that haven't been on the calls before, my name is Cameron Terry, and I'm the host for tonight's podcast with the Vien Originals. The topic today that we're going to discuss is called the reality of raw foods. A lot of us have heard about consuming raw foods and the raw food movement. Sometimes it's called living foods. Sometimes it's called rawism. I'm going to spend some time tonight, and we're going to tie that into all the previous calls. I know I've mentioned the benefits of raw foods. We've talked about enzymes. We've talked about the damage that cooking does. So let's kind of connect all these calls together into the raw foods, and then I want to just spend some time tonight talking about the reality of raw foods. And is a raw food lifestyle applicable to everybody, or there's certain peoples that are going to thrive on it and certain peoples that are going to struggle with it? The pros and the cons. And then you can you can decide at the end of it if it's the right type of lifestyle for you or for not. So first of all, to recap one of the more recent calls, we talked about phytoproteins and the benefits the phytoproteins had. Now, phytoproteins I was talking to is referring to plant-based proteins, and the benefit that we get from plant-based proteins is we don't have to heat them. Unlike whey products or soy products or casein or creatine or a lot of these protein available sources on the market, a plant-based protein doesn't have to be heated. The benefit there is you don't have to damage any of the protein. So whenever you heat a protein, you damage the amino acid profile. There are nine amino acids that are binded or damaged by heating. And the previous call we did was all about phytoproteins, and I went into details about that. And that's kind of the reason why we are striving for more raw sources of proteins and in your lifestyle and diets, why we want to lean to more raw protein sources. When I talk about raw proteins, first thing that comes to most people's mind is like raw meat. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about like chia seeds, hemp seeds, green foods, and wide varieties of protein sources that are coming from nuts and seeds, legumes. Before that, we talked about detoxification and bowel toxemia. And one of the big reasons we, we stemmed into that and what that really meant was Bowel toxemia is the one true disease that causes three responsible for 99% of all the symptoms and diseases that we face. Bowel toxemia is caused by a certain type of lifestyle. A certain type of lifestyle has a high level of cooked and processed foods in it. To quote Dr. Clive McCoy, we... He once said that the overconsumption of processed, refined, and cooked foods is the only form of suicide tolerated by our customs, even though it's slowly painful and torturous. I think that's really important to understand is we're choosing to live a certain lifestyle that we are aware that it's causing most of our symptoms and diseases. It's now universally understood that our lifestyle is responsible for the majority of our symptoms and diseases. And it makes perfect sense on why this change of lifestyle over the last, like, one or two generations 
in that same one or two generations, we've seen senior citizen diseases flood into the middle-aged generations, into the late adolescent age ranges, even into your young adolescents and your teenagers. Never before have we seen teenagers have suffering or struggling with arthritis or Alzheimer's disease or heart attacks and strokes and levels of cancer that we've never seen in young people before either. So these are really important subjects to, to talk about. And if you haven't listened to the previous calls, I'd highly encourage you to go back, visit our website. Under Embrace a Healthy Lifestyle, you can click on the radio section, and all the previous calls are there. You can start at the very beginning one, which is the digestion, understanding digestion. We walk all the way through, one call after another each month, diving into a different topic, and it all comes together in last month's topic on health, do you really get it, is where we did like a really good summary of trying to put all those pieces together. Two other calls that play into what we're going to talk about tonight was the enzyme call. We know cooking food, anything over 108 to 115 degrees Fahrenheit starts destroying enzymes, and by 115, all enzymes are gone. Yet enzymes would have been in every living plant, nut, seed, or food source that we would naturally come in contact with before heating it. So why is it that we continue to heat and destroy these enzymes in our food supply? When naturally they should have been there. Well, we do have a choice, and we make that choice every day when we're choosing to continue to live this lifestyle. I just want to take a moment here and maybe recap on what the lifestyle is today. So the standard American diet, which is usually acronymed into the SAD diet, refers to a high level of processed, refined, and cooked foods. Majority of most people's tables at home only covered with food that was either packaged or processed or came out of an oven, microwave, stove, or boil, or something of that sort. <clears throat> to the point where they say 99% of all the food on most tables, especially for the dinner meal, is typically 100% cooked. Some of us on this call, some of those people that have been following Avian Originals, are aware of the what we've been talking about for the last 15, 20 years, are probably not consuming that same level of cooked food. But the, just because there's a small percentage, right, it's the 1%, I really want to focus on the 99% of the people out here, your friends, your families, the people you know, the people you will know or people you come across that you can make an impact on their lifestyle. That lifestyle is causing indigestion in small ways where we can't absorb a lot of the proteins, fats, carbohydrates from those foods, lack of enzymes prevents the proper liquefaction, damaging of the proteins creates putrefaction and lack of protein inside of our systems, and so a lot of our core organs, like your liver, start being stressed. That overstress on all your organs leads to premature organ degeneration. As those organs start to degenerate, we start to experience faster illnesses happening sooner in life. And typically what we're seeing, too, is more serious diseases or higher levels of diseases than ever before. When I sit back and I try to look at, you know, why is this happening, what's going on, 
I guess I'm in a position where I get to speak with people every day in my office or in kind of a therapeutic type environment where we can have some of these questions of like, why do you think people are eating this way, right? It doesn't make them feel good. A good analogy that's often used is if I drove my car to the local gas station and bought their cheapest gas they had and that gas made my car stutter and hiccup and it didn't perform very well and it was just groggy and slow the whole way home, I would probably never go back to that gas station and buy that gas again. Yet I can go to my supermarket and purchase food and consume it that makes my body slow, sluggish, hicking up, feeling overstressed and burdened, and yet I'll go back and do the same thing again the next day and the next day and the next day. How is it that one mentality works in one scenario, but the same mentality in another scenario doesn't work? The answer here is I think we're choosing pleasure over performance. Food has become a source of entertainment instead of being a fuel for an entertainment. Just think about that, right? Food becomes the pleasure. It's like, what do you want to do? Let's go eat something. The, the entertainment is focused around the food. It's no longer do I have to have quality food so that I have the strength and energy so we can go hiking or swimming or mountain climbing and backpacking biking, whatever it is, whatever kind of activity it normally was, you needed good quality food to be able to perform that activity. As generations, we are losing that ability to have that entertainment as an action, and the food is becoming the entertainment. We're also choosing quantity over quality, and that statement applies to several areas of, of food or to our American diet. We're choosing quantity over quality in aspects of feeding mass amount of population. So food industries and growers are choosing to be able to produce a higher quantity of food over producing a high quality of food. The food that we're consuming every year is becoming less and less of quality food. And we've been recording data for over the last 50 years, and of that 50 years of data, we can see the nutrient profiles of every food across the board have been decreasing. And the people collecting and researching the data make it very clear that this is caused by the, the desire to have faster crops that are more resilient and can produce higher levels. And to achieve that, they have to sacrifice the quality of the food. We start losing the vitamins and minerals and amino acid profiles in that food. So now as people, we're having to consume two or three times higher levels of food to get the same quantity and quality of nutrients. The other aspect of that is quantity of food. Portion sizes have increased drastically. There's really good YouTube videos out there that show, you know, even just the last 20 years of McDonald's, their large soda is now almost their, their large soda when they started is probably the size of their small soda now. And their french fry sizes kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because people kept demanding or desiring larger quantities to the point where people are consuming way too much food at one sitting. And their bodies are still starving for more food, not because they're not getting the calories. It's because their bodies aren't getting the nutrition. They're not getting the vitamins, the minerals, the amino acids, these core nutrients that they're really craving. And that's where raw food really starts to come in. People are saying, well, it's not so much about the quantity. I'm looking for a higher quality of food. I want food that has higher vitamins, higher minerals. I want food that has undamaged proteins in it. Where am I going to see 
Where do I seek that out? Where do I find that? I'm looking for a type of lifestyle. It makes sense to me that we would find the most nutrient-dense foods picking it right off the tree or pulling it right out of the ground. Right out of the ground in naturally composted, manually cared for soils that you grew yourself. We have yet to find a better quality food than something you grow in your own back garden with your own love and care and attention. That is the food that, as a species, we were designed to consume. And it's also the type of food that we've been proven and can watch ourselves thrive on. I believe that's the main reason why majority of all the major health centers around the world use raw food as part of their therapies because it is a very healing type of lifestyle. Just to name a few, like Hippocrates, Hallelujah Acres, the Garrison Clinic, all incorporate raw food and high levels of it in their clinics and in their practices when people are coming in there to regain their health. From my experience, raw food is more than just a healing food. Don't get me wrong, we, Avena Originals promotes raw food highly in crisis situations. I've never seen a lifestyle bring a person back from sickness or illness, disease and problems, especially when they're based on an inflammation type disease, faster than having a raw food lifestyle. So to spend a little bit of time just on on the raw food lifestyle. What does that mean? What does that look like? It means you're eating fresh and raw living foods, ideally foods that will rot. A tomato out of your backyard that you pick and you pull into your house and within a day or two, it's soft, squishy, and soggy. Compared to the tomato that you're buying from your supermarket that sits in the back of your fridge for three weeks and still is perfectly fresh. There's a big difference there. The food that rots is the food that is full of life. I think that's why the distinction sometimes comes in raw food is that they want to be referred to as raw living foods. Because they want foods that are actually alive, foods that are will spoil quickly. Because the faster that food rots, the easier it is to digest. The easier the food is to digest, the more energy your body has to focus on healing and regenerating. If you're using four times or five times as much energy as you normally would need to to digest your food, what does that mean for the rest of the body? You're stepping on that gas pedal and you're pushing it to the floor for your digestion and your metabolism and wondering by the end of the day why we feel so weak and so exhausted and so played out. A lot of it has to do because we are running our systems extra hot and they're really difficult. Like Cooked food requires not only a huge amount of pancreatic requirements. The pancreas has to produce the digestive enzymes to try to help deal with the amount of cooked food you just consume that is now void of enzymes. Your liver has to try to neutralize, produce more enzymes to deal with the production of pancreatic enzymes. Stomach acids, your digestion, your bowels, your small and large intestines have to work double time or triple time to try to deal with this, you know, heavy, hard to digest solid foods. A lot of raw food is really focused especially when they're making the transition into a lot of liquid-type foods. We do smoothies, we do juices, and we take a whole six meals worth of vegetables and we juice it into like one or two liters, and then we consume that to get a high concentration of micronutrients easily and rapidly into our system without a lot of digestive requirements. If we can exceed the body's minimum requirements for, my, for all these nutrients, we can create a surplus do we know what the body does with a surplus of nutrients? Amino acids, vitamins, minerals, fats, carbohydrates. The body is 
an amazing tool that is always trying to heal and improve itself in all situations. When you give it a surplus of nutrition and you remove the obstacles that are preventing it from healing, I have never seen a human body that wouldn't heal. And it's not that the raw foods have kind of some kind of special magic power in them. They don't. They're just the, the fuel that your body needs to run. And we take that raw food and we grow it in mineral deficient soils and we spray it with all these pesticides and herbicides and we premature harvest it and we irradiate it and we take it home and cook it and wonder why we're not having health consuming this adulterated modified food source. Some nutritionists go as far as to call that food not even food anymore. It no longer meets the minimum requirements to be labeled or called food because it is not providing that essence of life and nutrition. Back into the raw food kind of lifestyle. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about individuals of recipes. More, I wanted to get into the reality of raw foods. A lot of us are familiar with the raw food lifestyle, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about the pros and the cons. As there's a lot of hype out there, and is it all hype, or is there actually some really truth to it? Well, 15 years I've been working as a holistic nutritionist and a holistic consultant, really helping people try to overcome disease and illness by using foods. And in that experience, I've seen people do 50% raw food. I've seen them do 65 and 75 and 85 and 95. And there's some a good group of people that do 100% raw food. It's interesting to be able to watch these different groups of people and the results they get based on the level of cooked food or processed food versus raw food. I've never really seen somebody in a crisis position, and I define crisis as fighting for life. They've been given a diagnosis that is grim, that has a time limit on their expected life, and they're struggling to try to find answers or a method to extend that or to recuperate their health, regenerate their health. I've never seen one of these people achieve it by doing like 50%. Science. 50% would be like, you know, you're half in. You're, pro- you're providing your body half of the ability to really heal. Now, the common logic of the mentality most people have is, you know, if I'm doing 50%, I should get 50% of the results. It doesn't work that way. And I can, I can attest to this personally. Twice in my life now, I have gone raw food. The first time was for 90 days, and the second time was for 100 days. And it was strictly solely 100% raw food. And then outside of that 100%, I often lived at 85 to 95% raw foods. And even there, there's a huge difference. I did not experience 5% difference. I was experiencing like 40% difference by being 95% raw to 100% raw. I learned right away, I can't expect 95% of the benefits of a raw food diet if I'm doing 95% of my food raw. I was only getting 40, 50% of the benefits of raw food lifestyle by doing 95% raw. When I went 100% raw, that's when I started getting 100% of the benefits of the raw food. We don't know exactly why that is, but many people talk about that. There's a huge difference between 100% raw and like 95% raw. Nobody's, if some of the callers on here, the people that are listening afterwards, have never experienced 100% raw for at least 30 days, I would challenge you to try that. 
30 days happens really fast. You know, that's four weeks. I just thinking back the last 30 days, and man, it just felt like one day ago. I was 30 days ago. So it's not that big of a time. It's not that hard of a commitment, right? You do have to jump in. You do have to commit. Experience what 30 days on 100% exclusive raw food is like. Then you have a baseline, and you have a really good uh, idea of where you want to be. It's almost like judging or referring to something or counting something out before you've ever even tried it. And it happens with a lot of people. A lot of nutritionists that are bad-mouthing or talking down about the raw food lifestyle have never actually even experienced it. You know, they're reading about it on paper. They're looking at the pros and cons, and you know, they feel that gives them the ability to talk about it. My challenge or suggestion would be experience it. Asking you guys to go 100% raw for 100 days or go 100% raw for the rest of your life, do it for 30 days, four weeks, and experience the energy levels, the concentration, the mental clarity, the added benefit of like the extra weight loss if you're overweight. I've never seen somebody do four weeks of raw and not say it was one of their best times of their life. It was my best time of my life when I was thriving. I had so much energy I didn't know what to do with. I could think so straight. I could concentrate so well. My physical performance was rapidly increasing every day. I was getting stronger, leaner, faster, and I wasn't getting tired. And I had such you know, a positive outlook on everything that I was incorporated in with everything that I was doing. I was just so in love with life. So the question comes up is why don't I stay on that all the time? Why do the majority of people that go on raw food end up getting off of raw food? That's a really powerful question. question that I'm asking myself right now, and I'm going to share what I believe are the reasons that I struggle to stay on 100% raw living food. First one probably be that the cooked processed foods are designed to be addictive. These manufacturers know exactly how to hook us onto their food and become addicted to it can't explain any other reason than addiction that I would consume a food that I know I'm going to feel horrible after just to enjoy the 30 seconds or the five minutes of consuming it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And yet, I think every one of us can attest to that scenario of getting into a food, we enjoy it for a very short period of time while it's in our mouths, and then we struggle with it for days after. Our whole system is taxed and pulled down and we're heavy, having a hard time digesting. The other aspect is the social ability. It's really difficult, especially in the summer for me, to have a social life and to be raw. Summertime is like barbecues and campfires and marshmallows and all these type of foods that I grew up with that I have a lot of like positive memories attached to. But it's difficult to go out with a group of friends and alienate yourself so much by your diet or your lifestyle. The other aspect is the coldness, right? When in wintertime, it's a little more difficult for me to maintain a raw food. Raw food has a cooling effect in the body. And I believe that's why you see the highest concentration of like your raw foodists that are doing it long term are living in these very humid, warm, hot climates like California, Florida, Mexico. California is like your mecca for raw foodists, and there's a huge raw food movement there, but they also have beautiful heat and fresh food year-round all the time. That makes it a lot easier 
then in wintertime when I'm covered under ice and snow, I don't have the option to go to my garden and pick fresh foods. I don't have an option to even hit a farmer's market. My only option is to go to a supermarket and buy, you know, product of the USA or product of China or product of Mexico or from Lucky product of Canada. Let's just take a moment here and maybe talk about some of the pros and cons of a raw food lifestyle. Pros that I've experienced and that I've watched people experience that are documented and referred to by most raw foodists are A, you're going to get a lot more enzymes. Enzymes are the spark of life. They are what drive every system in your body. And most of us are spending money on supplementing with enzymes. We're getting more enzymes from our food. That means we have to supplement less or we can supplement the same and have better levels of health. That's an added bonus. That's a huge added bonus. So why I put it number one. Second was the unbinded amino acids. If protein and amino acids are the building blocks for everything in our body, they're really important. Do we want damaged binded amino acids or do we want living, unbinded, fully available amino acids? The raw food diet is going to provide you with a much higher level of unbinded amino acids. The other problems are you're naturally going to consume higher levels of fruits and vegetables. I think every nutritionist that I've ever heard talk about Eddie's subject agrees that we should be consuming more fruits and vegetables. Another positive that you get when you switch into a raw food lifestyle is the elimination of most of your food additives. When you're pulling you know, a carrot out of the ground or an apple off the tree, you're not getting all these natural flavors, artificial sweeteners, food dyes, extenders, excipients, um, and you name it, right? There's a long list of the food additives. There's, you know, novels and books and volumes written about these additives that are allowed in your food. When you're eating raw food and raw living food, you pretty much lose all those additives because it can't be fresh living raw food and still have all those additives all over it. The other benefit you often get is the elimination of most of your herbicides and fungicides and pesticides. As traditionally, a lot of the raw foodists will go more to your organic food or farmer's market food or home-produced grown food. Now, raw food doesn't automatically mean the elimination of sprays, but a lot of the raw foodists, because they're looking for the best quality food, will traditionally try to avoid those as well. Raw food has been proven to be very healing. Go back to why most of the major healing centers incorporate raw food into their lifestyles and into their healing programs. You have more energy on raw food. Not a little bit. You have a lot more energy when you're eating 100% raw food. Losing weight will never be easier than when you're on a raw food lifestyle. I'm the kind of person that struggled with weight loss most of my life. And when I'm on 100% raw foods, I experience some of the best weight loss that I've ever experienced in my life. And it doesn't even require huge amounts of input or effort to achieve it. Those are some of my top positives from switching to a raw food lifestyle. And a lot of those sound really good. But it wouldn't be fair if we didn't talk about some of the negatives or the cons related to a raw food type lifestyle. I had a couple of these earlier when I talked about the cooling effect. In wintertime, it's hard to eat cold food all the time. It's minus 30 degrees Celsius outside, and you're going to sit down to like an ice cold smoothie. It doesn't sit well with a lot of people. A lot of people, and the tendency is to go to warmer foods. In the wintertime, you see a lot of root vegetables. You see a lot of stews and soups being made. You see a lot of cooked pastas. Anything that's 
been fired or warmed up. There's a lot of coffees being drinking and hot teas. So the cooling effect is kind of a negative, especially if you live in a very cold environment. When you live in a hot environment and you're overheating, that raw food cooling effect is a welcome effect. When you live in minus 30 in the winter, it's probably an unwanted effect. One of the other cons that I often struggle with is preparation time. To get the most out of these foods, I have to do all the preparation that the industries were trying to do. I have to soak my nuts and seeds. I have to plan ahead of time. A lot of these recipes require you know, several steps instead of what the food industry offered was, hey, pull this out of your freezer, stick it in your oven, and in 30 minutes it's done. The raw food is saying, well, it only takes 20 minutes to make it, but, you know, 20, 12 hours beforehand you have to start soaking almonds and you have to start dehydrating onion bread. You have to start doing this. So, you know, there's several steps in increased preparation time. It's not that difficult when you get into and you spend time in it, but it definitely is something new that requires change and getting accustomed to. I think one of the biggest obstacles that most people face, though, is the social disadvantages. Food is the core of everything socially. When you get together, there's food. When you go out, you're sitting around food. You converse around food. You create memories around food. You attach emotions around food. It would be fantastic if we were all as a group of people and all your friends were all raw foodists and they were all into you know, these raw living foods and healthy driven foods because then you could create all these memories and social environments around good quality food. When you don't have that luxury and you know you are trying to make these changes, you're trying to make that transition maybe into a raw food lifestyle, and all your friends are still inviting you out for pizza and beer, it's a little bit difficult to go there and not, you know, go out for pizza and beer and not eat the pizza and not drink the beer. You start feeling a little alienated, and you know maybe next time you're probably not going to get that same invite to come out with it, and it kind of creates that difficult social interaction. The last, last con that I was going to talk about today was the higher consumption of food. Having to consume a higher consumption of food because you're eating a much lower calorie food. A huge bowl of salad without salad dressing is only 100 or so calories. When you're looking at people that need to have 1,500 to 2,000 to 3,000 calories a day, that's a lot of vegetables. Typically, those people are going to bring in a lot of your healthy fats like coconut oils or avocados, your nuts and seeds, your cultures, your paste, to try to fill that void. But there's still increased preparation time and increased cost based around that higher consumption of food. Those are some things that we need to weigh personally on is this going to be the right type of lifestyle for me? Is this, am I up for this task? There's a lot of positives there. I think the positives definitely outweigh the cons. But the cons are definitely some of the reasons why people don't stay 100% raw 100% of the time. So around the office, around some of my friends and the raw foodists, I asked some questions just before this call. And some of the popular questions that I heard was, I heard cooking provides better nutrition. People even went as far to send me links and references on how you know, ingredients in tomatoes and nuts and seeds can often have a higher absorption and higher bioavailability by cooking it. And sure enough, it is. There's certain vitamins that are easier for you to absorb from cooked food. And then I had to sit back and look at that a little bit and said, but am I more worried about the vitamins? Am I willing to, de- to sacrifice the enzymes, the proteins, for 
a little bit of an increase in vitamins. Because what I understand is the enzymes and proteins are far, far, far more important than the vitamins. There's a chain of usability, and it starts, vitamins require a mineral. Minerals require a chelation of an amino acid. That amino acid came from protein only if you had an enzyme. Vitamins are often referred to as superchargers for a mineral. If I'm willing to have cooked food, what I'm basically saying is the vitamin is more important than the amino acid and the enzyme. And that can't be true, right? The amino acid and the enzyme, the amino acid is the building block for every tissue in my body, and the enzyme is the catalyst for every process in my body. That's far more important than the absorption of a vitamin. And we're not even talking about absorbing or not absorbing. We're just talking about improved absorption. When I look at those kind of statements, I almost have the idea of, you know, they're trying to pick one highlight and they're trying to sell the cooked food based on this one and they're not willing to talk about the rest of it. You know, you're not getting the full picture on really what it means. You're willing to sacrifice the most important parts to get a little bit more of the least important part. And that's kind of the key question to take out of that question. Second question that I often got is, isn't cooked food safer? Everywhere the importance of making sure you cook your food to cleanse or to make it safe. And this especially falls into the line when we start getting into animal products. The industry has become a little careless almost with its meat supplies because it expects you to cook them or heat them. You know, make sure you raise the temperature of your ground beef to 450 degrees before consuming it. Basically meaning there's a really good chance that we've cross-contaminated this meat through all the different steps and the travels and the you know, processes that it's gone through. And so you should really cleanse it by cooking it. There's no other species on this planet that cooks its meat. The rate of diseases and illnesses in the wild animals on this planet are very low, almost non-existent in comparison to the amount of diseases or illnesses that mankind faces. But I look at it like a natural carnivore. A natural carnivore will make the hunt. He'll make the kill. He'll consume the food right away, right after that kill was made, and then he'll never come back for seconds. They don't come back later that day when the meat's been sitting out in the sun. They don't come back the next day or the next week. After they have their fill or consume, the scavengers come in and they finish it off. So is raw food safer or is cooked food safer? Well, raw food, if you're talking about, you know, fresh nuts and seeds and vegetables, nutrients, if you're getting proper digestion like raw food would allow you to have, I feel that the raw food is a safer, cleaner food. Now, if somebody were to take that information and go out there and start eating raw meat, that would lead to a very different obvious answer. I do not condone or, or encourage the consumption of raw meats especially if you're buying raw meats from a supermarket or from any kind of industry-provided source. So a few things to consider, like when we're talking about a raw food diet, or if you guys are considering maybe venturing into more raw food or into 100% raw food, is not to get fanatical about it. And, you know, you don't go out. You don't you lose all your friends. You're like a recluse into your house because, you know, there's no raw food anywhere other than what you can grow in your own garden in your house. It's all, there's definitely a huge balance that we need to achieve. The other negative stigmatism raw food is often get is, you know, tagged with, tagged with these type of labels like elitist, that they feel like they're better than anybody else. 
or, you know, I'm doing raw food, and so, you know, I'm superior in some shape, way, or form than to anybody else. I think that's got a lot of negative impact when we do that as well. The dream, to kind of sum up those pros and cons, I think it falls into like the dream of raw food. And the dream of raw food is what the raw food is, movement is really selling. You know, you're going to heal from all your problems. You're going to feel great. You're going to lose that extra weight. Your skin's going to glow and you're going to have more energy than you've ever had. That's basically the dream of the raw food and why so many people are trying to make the transition and make the change into raw food. Realities more like very few people will be 100% raw 100% of the time. And don't set it up there like you expect yourself to be able to do 100% raw 100% of the time because then you're going to fail and you're going to feel like a failure. It's going to have a negative impact on your social capabilities. It's harder to maintain in colder temperatures. It's going to require you to relearn recipes, how you prepare your food. You almost have to relearn how to do all that. And it's going to require you to spend more time in the kitchen. And that's kind of the realities. And that's the parts that the raw food movement probably isn't really pushing or educating. Now, I love the raw food, and don't get me wrong, I think the raw food is the very best, and I still highly recommend it to all my clients that are trying to achieve better levels of health. To expose both sides of it so people are well aware getting into it and some of the struggles that you're most likely to have. Now, Veen is not a company that recommends 100% raw 100% of the time. It's never been a Venus standpoint to be 100% raw 100% of the time. The Venus standpoint's always been 100% clean food, so no additives, flavors, colors, fillers, you name it. But of that 100% clean food, Avena really encourages, or its philosophy is based around 80% raw living foods and 20% cooked or heated foods. What this means in reality is like a big, beautiful plate full of fresh vegetables, fruits, you know, maybe some nuts and seeds culture, something like that, and then a lean piece of meat if you're a meat eater. If not, maybe it's cooked beans or legumes or peas or any, you know, any form of healthy food that's been cooked. The idea here is you want to be 100% clean food. You still want to be the food right off the tree or out of the ground question is, do we have to eat 100% of it raw, or can we eat some of it cooked? If you're doing 80% raw food and only 20% cooked, the benefits of the 80% will always outweigh the negatives of the 20% cooked. So you can still have that warm food without having to risk your health at it. The concern, I guess, is when that 20% cooked food slowly becomes the 80% cooked food and 20% raw food. Novena really focuses on balance and control. We want to be real. We want to be able to offer a type of lifestyle that is applicable to the majority of people. And I feel very confident saying I think most of us on the call and people listening to this could do 80% raw food because you're not really having to give up anything. You're just having to moderate your portion size. Novena really focuses on emphasizing eating to live as the first priority. Instead of living to eat, which so many of us do do, let's live, let's eat to live. What foods are going to give us the best quality of life? I promise you when you put that first, you'll learn to love it. You'll start to really enjoy the foods you're having. You'll have almost the best of both worlds because the pleasure will be there when you're consuming these foods as well as the value. 
But if we're not putting the value as part of the equation, what's going to happen is we're going to just focus on foods of pleasure. And then we're going to fall into the trap the industries have set of this addiction to fat, salts, and sugars. And we're going to sucked into this whole world of processed food again. Dana recommends supplement with enzymes and raw proteins to aid in restoring the values of a fully raw lifestyle. When you're eating 20% cooked food and you're using, you know, you're consuming food that doesn't have enzymes in it anymore and you're damaging some of those proteins, you can supplement with enzymes back in. You can add more raw proteins back in. Use tools like the herb cocktail that Avina has to allow you to eliminate those undigested foods or those cooked hard-to-digest foods. If you were effectively eliminating any of the negative food options that you're ingesting, it wouldn't have time to build up in your intestinal system and cause your disease or your illness. You could basically prevent bowel toxemia by just rapidly eliminating the toxicities. So hopefully... You know, what we've done, gone through today is a lot of information on the raw foods, the pros, the cons. We understand the dream and the reality of raw food. And then what Avina's answer is to that. What I just spent the last couple minutes on is Avina's approach. And to recap it really quickly, 80% raw, 20% cooked foods. Let's make it all 100% clean food. Let's balance it out with, you know, proper options, proper thought processes, a little bit of exercise, and maintaining something we can do long-term. Supplement with enzymes to help liquefy the cooked food that is missing the enzymes. Supplement with raw proteins, like Avena's RP3. You can get those raw amino acids. You don't have to go without them. And then use the herb cocktail twice every day to allow your system to effectively eliminate that buildup of toxicity that's happening from the cooked foods that we're eating. By doing that, we see huge improvements and huge changes in people's gastrointestinal tracts. And by making a huge change for the positive in a person's gastrointestinal tract, you're making a huge positive change in their overall health. Because our health is truly determined by our digestive system. Thank everybody for being on the call tonight. That kind of brings me to the end of reality of raw foods.